Welcome to the latest episode of Too Boldly Pod, the unscripted podcast about anything and everything. And at some point, I'm... Okay, I'm just gonna... I have to need to drop that tagline because we're never gonna get there. Not with this... Maybe at some point I'll get there. But then again, maybe I won't. But anyways, today I wanted to do sort of a fun little podcast, a little change of pace, if you will. As some of you know, alongside of doing these podcasts, I also operate in DJ an internet radio station called Spock Rock Radio, and I also like all of you, most of you, well, except for that guy over there in the corner, predominantly most of you have a day job that I go to every day, and one of the fun things about my day job is my co-workers and I all have a very varying sense of musical taste and musical style, but inside of that, it seems like we all have this little nucleus in the middle that we can all appreciate and agree upon and talk about and, well, put it this way, at my day job, which I'm not going to name on here, but most people that know me personally know where and what it is. Okay, what the hell, I'll tell you what it is. My day job consists of vending machines and amusement machines and jukeboxes and stuff like that. That's what we do at my day job. And so we have a ton of jukeboxes laying around our shop all the time. So every once in a while, we'll... we'll get in a little bit of a jam contest and see who can stump who with songs that we play from the jukebox. And I don't say this in a conceding or condescending manner, but I I tend to be the person that wins those contests because, as I've pointed out numerous times on Spock Rock Radio and here on this podcast, I have this wealth of musical knowledge, pointless musical knowledge for that matter, in my brain that I just have, it's one of my superhero traits, I suppose you could say, that that I, I, I keep and retain musical information. And that's, trust me, that's not to say that I am the know-all, be-all of everything music, because there is a plethora of music that I know nothing about and I really don't want to know anything about, but I can retain a lot of useless facts about music. and Predominantly, most of it tends to range in the rock and pop area of music, so getting outside of that range, I, I'm, I get sketchy, if you will. Like my buddy Jace at work, he he's a lot into the indie, obscure stuff, and he really gets me a lot with that, even though some of the stuff he plays I've heard of before, but he's definitely a king when it comes to that sort of stuff. And then we have other 
factions at work, which I say factions, there's only like, you know, 18 of us that work there, but some of them are, are more into to rap, and then we have one guy that recently moved to the United States from Haiti, and he's really kind of more into the the dance sound, I suppose you could say, the not necessarily hip-hop, but he's more into the the club sounds and club music and stuff like that. So when it comes to those things, I, I'm after, say, 1999 or pushing it 2002, I'm sadly lacking on information. But the reason I even bring this whole thing up is because outside of that, the other thing that we all really love to do at the day job is we love to, to joke and laugh like most people do at their jobs. And today, the reason I bring it up is because today we were laughing at one of our coworkers, which was fine. He went along with the joke, but we were kind of picking on him a little bit. And it was because we were working and we have these big fans going as well as the radio and he made a comment at one point about is this Dio meaning Ronnie James Dio and it was actually Rush playing on the radio at the time and I I just jokingly said yeah well it's Canadian Dio and we laughed about it and this, that, and the other. That's kind of a an explanation of the fun that we have. We we razz each other. We we make jokes and talk radio, and that's basically your your standard workplace situation. But it got me thinking all day. About, actually, side note about it is when we got back from our route, Jace had told. Kyle, the guy I was referring to, that or he's telling me actually that he introduced him to this podcast that I do. So it got me thinking that I talk a lot of paranormal stuff and a lot of more, I don't want to say serious tones or serious subjects, but it was about time for me to come on here and have a little bit of fun with everybody on this episode because I've been blathering about other topics for so much and there was it's been a while since I've done one that hopefully will make you go hmm or laugh or smile or giggle or anything. So flashback to about five minutes ago when I said I want to do a musical fun fact episode. That's exactly what I'm going to do today, a list of musical fun facts that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you'll be astonished by, maybe you'll think, yeah, right, or maybe it'll just be something that you also store away in the hidden crevices of your brain for useless knowledge. So let's see what you think about in 2016, Mozart sold more CDs. Yes, they still sell CDs, folks. But in 2016, Mozart sold more CDs than Beyonce. 
In October of 2016, the Universal Music Group released a box set commemorating the 225th anniversary of Mozart's death. It was a box set that had 200 CDs, 240 hours of music, 600 solo performances and ensembles, including 60 orchestras and every significant Mozart interpreter over the past 30 years. It's hard to imagine, but I suppose if you think about it, it could be true. There's there's clearly more people that are buying CDs that are listening to quote, older music than, say, the newer music of the more modern artists, more people that enjoy more modern music are probably more into streaming and digital downloads and everything, so that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Did you know that Rod Stewart played the largest free rock concert? According to the Guinness World Records, Rod Stewart... In 1993's New Year's Eve concert in Copacabana Beach in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, is the most attended free concert ever. At around 4.2 million people came down to the beach to see him perform and watch the fireworks at midnight. Now that one's kind of surprising because even in the early 90s i know rod stewart still had a little bit of star power runaway train and all those songs but 4.2 million people to see rod stewart in the 90s kind of surprises me a little bit but i guess if you think about it maybe it doesn't free concert new year's eve nothing better to do hey let's go see rod stewart of course, all of that being said in Spanish, but I digress because I don't know Spanish. Here's one for the metalheads out there that may be listening. Finland has the most metal bands per capita. In Finland, apparently, is the home of the most metal bands with about 53 Point five metal bands per 100,000 people. Other Nordic nations, Sweden, Norway, and Iceland, follow closely behind. Even though heavy metal music originated in the United States and the United Kingdom, the genre has taken off in the northern climes. There is even a Finnish children's metal group, Havaderus, which I'm probably totally botching that name, of heavy metal dinosaurs with more than seven albums under their belt. Haraverus, I guess I gotta learn how to pronounce that name, but I'm not the biggest metal fan. I, I'm more of the, I don't want to say pop metal, because that's the, the wrong verbiage to use, but more popular metal, like I referenced Dio the other day, like Rainbow in the Dark and Black Sabbath and stuff like that. But I'm not really, I don't take the deep dive into metal. That's kind of where a lot of my musical knowledge falls off. But I did know that metal was huge in the Scandinavian countries. I think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but back in the 80s when we were doing all the famine relief 
group things like Band-Aid and USA for Africa, I think the metal one, which I think was called Hearing Aid, was started in one of the Scandinavian countries. But I could totally, totally be remembering that wrong. Did you know that there was an album that was retorted? Did you know? I'm not going to edit that. That's going to stay in. It'll show you how imperfect I really am. But did you know there was an entire album recorded in space? A Canadian astronaut named Chris Hadfield released his first album in 2015, which was recorded while he was orbiting space. He became the first Canadian to walk in space, but his cover of David Bowie's Space Odyssey also went viral. Hadfield spent 144 days at the International Space Station recording his 11 original songs for his appropriately titled Space Sessions, Songs for a Tin Can Album. That is very interesting least to me i think it's interesting you know i'm gonna go on youtube and try to find it and see if i can actually hear what this sounds like here's one for all the botanists out there according to a study by scientists from south korea plants grow at a faster pace when they are played classical music using 14 different pieces of music the scientists played music to a rice field and studied the results. The findings were that music helped the crops grow and even suggested evidence that plants could, quote, hear. That's actually one that I had known before I read this article. I remember when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the show called In Search Of, which I think is making its second or third comeback right now. But back in the late 70s and early 80s, it was on with Leonard Nimoy as the host. And I remember a story they did then about this person that would play music for his plants and that they they grew better. And yeah, I'll have to go back and try to find it and watch it again because I don't remember the entire details about it but i do remember them saying that this guy played classical music for his plants and they the ones that they played the classical music for grew better as opposed to the ones that he didn't did you know that none of the beatles probably the most famous band of all time whether it be pop music or otherwise that none of them could read or write music. Paul McCartney admitted that neither he nor any of the Beatles' bandmates were able to read or write music during a 2018 interview. McCartney said that the music just came to him and his bandmates, John Lennon, Ringo Starr, and George Harrison, and it was never written down. That job fell to George Martin and other musical members of EMI, back in the 1960s. But I know McCartney has said a lot of times that they just, they they 
see the music, they they hear the music in their head, and they sit down at a piano or a guitar or whatever and kind of work it out as it goes, which I think isn't something unusual for a lot of pop music. I don't think Eddie Van Halen, even though his father was a trained concert pianist or something like that, I don't even think he could read and write music either, but you can see just the genius come out because they knew how to play and they just kind of saw and and heard the music in their heads. Well, here's one that really has nothing to do with music other than the person that this is about. But did you know that Michael Jackson once tried to buy Marvel Comics? MJ was a huge Spider-Man fan and wanted to play a role in a movie. He attempted to buy Marvel Comics, the company that created and owns the rights to Spider-Man, so he could make that happen. Stan Lee, Marvel's chairman up until his death in 2018, has recalled the story in an interview. Lee said that he thought that Jackson would have made a good Spider-Man, but felt that Jackson was not a very good businessman, and Marvel may not have had the success under his helm. Now, we all know about the Marvel explosion over the past decade or so, so maybe they might have been on to something there when it comes to Michael Jackson owning Marvel Comics, but he may or may not have been a great businessman, but I think he did fairly decent for himself in his lifetime. Did you know that the world's longest-running performance will end in the 27th century? Yes, I said that right, 27th century. A 639-year performance based on eccentric composer John Cage's As Slow as Possible started in September of 2001 and is still playing at St. Bouchard's Church in Germany. The performance by an automated organ plays so slowly that the visitors have to wait months for a chord to change and is scheduled to end in 2640. The performance is so slow that the organ it's played on was not even completed before the concert began. Additional pipes were added before the notes and chords changed. A generation of music musicians will need to keep the organ going. Now that, people pick on me for enjoying progressive rock and how long they are, especially when I play them on Spock Rock Radio. But I don't have anything quite as long as 639 years. People kind of get testy with me when I play a Yes song that's 24 minutes long, so I can only imagine playing a 639-year piece of music. Did you know that Prince played 27 instruments on his debut album? His first album, For You, was released when he was just 20 years old, and included in the album's liner notes, 
He's listed as the musician behind vocals, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, bass, bass synth, singing bass, fuzz bass, electric piano, acoustic piano, mini moog, poly moog, arp strings ensemble, arp pro soloist, Oberheim four voice, clarinet, drums, syndromes, water drums, slapsticks, bongos, congas, finger cymbals, wind chimes, orchestral bells, wind blocks, brush trap, tree bell, hand claps, and finger snaps. Prince is said to have played every single instrument on that album. That doesn't really surprise me having a little bit of outside knowledge of Prince in his career. He And it's not saying he was controlling. He was just, he knew what he wanted, so he was very demanding on exactly what he wanted that sound to be. And we all know that Prince had the revolution and other musicians working with him throughout his career, but he was somebody that really knew what he wanted his sound to sound like, and what better way to achieve that than to go ahead and do it yourself. Were you aware that a single violin is made from over 70 individual pieces of wood? Most violins have a hollow wooden body, and most are glued together. To this day, instruments from the so-called golden age of violin making, especially those made by the Stradivari, are the most sought-after instruments by both collectors and performers alike. And maybe you'd kind of like to build your own, because no. I've actually watched some videos about guitars being made, and predominantly they're electric guitars, but I can only imagine stringing together 70 individual pieces of wood to make a violin. I don't have that kind of patience. That's why I do a podcast and radio show and play music as opposed to creating it. Did you know that the Titanic almost sank with the London Symphony Orchestra? The orchestra was booked to travel on the Titanic's maiden voyage, but they changed boats at the last minute. Now, the band of Titanic is one of the most mysterious and legendary tales that come from the ill-fated ocean liner. The Titanic's eight-member band was led by Wallace Hartley, and upon panic and of passengers during the sinking assembled in the first-class lounge to play in an effort to keep everybody calm as the ship was going down. That would be a memorable last performance, wouldn't it? Too soon? And we'll wrap up this fun little episode with some quick facts that really don't have a lot of detail around them other than they're kind of head-scratching and interesting. Like, the global music industry was worth $19.1 billion as of 2018. Shakira 
is the first person to have more than 100 million likes on a Facebook post. Katy Perry is the first person to have more than 100 million followers on Twitter. Eminem's rap god has the most words in a single song at a whopping 1,560 words. Country music is now a global phenomenon, which I suppose is kind of a surprise to those of us here in the United States because we think of country music, especially over the past 30 years, as pretty much everywhere. But I guess if you think outside of the United States, there's probably so many different musical styles and genres that we here in the States know absolutely nothing about. And actually, I remember when I was younger watching the documentary The Complete Beatles talking about the early days of the Beatles and they got influenced by not only early 50s rock and roll like Little Richard and Elvis from the United States, but they were heavily influenced by skiffle music, which is something back in the early 80s, I had no idea what skiffle actually was. And it turns out that it was a more England-centric musical style. Didn't really make it over here very much in the U.S. So that's how different and expanding and all-encompassing any types of music can possibly be. I mean, you may know a lot about, like me, I know quite a bit about rock and pop music, and in the popular genre over, say, the past 50 to 60 years or so, but I certainly don't know everything about the genre. There's tons that I don't know, and that's the way we are with a lot of stuff. So when you stop to think that you know everything about music stop and think about how much actual music there really is out there that maybe you've never ever really ever heard of which is kind of a it's fun to do and i know a lot of people do it is they they tend to pan on music music is my friend Narek and I were actually talking about this a while ago because Nickelback is making their big reunion tour, currently doing their big reunion tour or latest tour or whatever. And we were talking about why do they get panned so much? And that's the way it is, and especially in pop music. I mean, it they just... One person, a group of people will say they can't stand it, and it just kind of balloons from there. But yet, on the flip side of that, there's this huge fan base of people that really love it. And I never, that was something I never really understood why people panned on music they didn't like. I mean, people that listen to Spock Rock Radio are well aware that. I am not the biggest fan of country music. I don't hate it to death, if you will. But in my 
one of the, my friends and listeners, Marlene, will tell you that I go out of my way because I know she's a fan of country music. I go out of my way to play at least one country song just about every show because I know she'll enjoy it. And I can live through that three or four minutes of something I don't really like just to make her happy. And that's kind of the point, I think, of music. I'm not a a music historian by any stretch of the means, but I think that's kind of where music started. Somebody, whether it was back in the the olden days, the, the cavemen, if you will, made these sounds and they were pleasing to people's ears, so they kept making them and kept making them. And next thing you know, it evolved into music. And I think that's what music is. It's something not only for the performers enjoy performing, but the audiences to enjoy listening to. And I think that's the beauty of music is... One thing that you may like, I'm not the biggest fan of death metal, and I don't really want to listen to it, but other people love death metal, and that's perfectly great for them. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and pan on it just because I don't like it. So that was the whole point of Narek and I's conversation, is why do people pan on Nickelback so much just because they got this stigma I suppose of being lame so people immediately think they're lame and I will almost promise you every single person that pans on Nickelback for being lame knows the song Photograph so the joke's on all of them Nickelback wrote and recorded that song, and you may claim to hate it, but you know it, don't you? And that's kind of the whole point of the whole thing. Anyways, hopefully you enjoyed this little left turn, if you will, for Two Boldly Pods. Some fun little musical facts. And if you have any fun musical facts you'd like to share, let me know on Facebook or X at Too Boldly Pod. And as usual, I don't have a closer for this podcast, so I'll simply close with 